0: Everyone, and welcome to episode 64 of the podcast of Nonsensical Gamers. My name is Matt, and joining me on the cast, as usual, my two stunning co hosts. First, Miss Tiffany B. Hello. Why'd you roll your eyes at me, Tiff?
1: That's just what my face looks like.
0: Oh, okay. And Dan. Ladies. Dan did not roll his eyes. He He thought stunning was an apt description. You couldn't
1: see Dan's eyes. Dan could be constantly rolling his eyes. He's always hiding behind his pop filter.
0: That's true. I can see his I forehead. Do. His forehead didn't look like it was bothered by the description. So. My forehead's looking nice, though. I moisturized it this morning. Oh. You're welcome. You, have you done, like, a, a facial peel? No. Get your just get my, your pores my, opened up? Just my standard American psycho routine. Oh, that's terrifying. <laughs> but okay, cool. Are you a big Huey Lewis and the News fan? I am. Well... With that opening, it seems like we're back in rare form. Today's going to be a fun show. Thank you all for joining us. In case you've forgotten, because it's been a little while, you can always find us on facebookcom League of Nonsensical Gamers. Send us an email, podcast at nonsensicalgamers.com. Find us on BGG Guild number two zero seven seven, or check us out on places like Twitter and Instagram. Today's show is going to be a good one, as usual. We wouldn't bring you any less. We are going to chat a little bit about Unpub 7, how that went, which just happened in Dan and I's hometown of Baltimore, Maryland. We are going to do our top of the stack recap from February, March, and talk about what we're planning on playing in April. And as usual, we are going to start the show by talking a little bit about what we've been playing. And I have to preface, this will probably be a long episode because Tiff has played not one, but two games.
1: It's a miracle.
0: Should and they're we, not we... Lords of Waterdeep.
1: Well, then I've played three games. Then. Oh my
0: goodness! All right. Well, it sounds like it's the Tiff hour. Let's just let you dive in. Do should we wait in anticipation and let Dan go first, or do you want to dive in?
1: You can let Dan go first.
0: No, uh, no, I want Tiff. Ladies no. first. I insist. Dan has declared no. that he is Captain Positivity for this episode, so we're gonna test not. his metal a little bit. I was Captain Positivity until I saw the games you put on the list, and then I'm like, oh crap, we're well, in trouble. Let's go ahead and start with one of your games then, and let's see if we can get off on a good note. What have you been playing, Dan? All right,
2: I'm going to get off on a good note and talk about Ladder 29, because I love this game. It's really good. Uh, This is from Green Couch Games and our buddies Matt and Ben. Uh, It's currently on Kickstarter, I think, and Jason was kind enough to send us a preview copy, and I've been playing the crap out of it, because I love trick-taking slash ladder games. And this one's good. It gives it a modern twist kind of on that classic card game feel. Um, I think you talked about the gist of it in your news episode. So I won't go into like how it plays, but I've really liked this game. I I, I'm so sad to see it kind of chugging along slowly on Kickstarter because it's really good. I mean, I kind of understand why, because it's I mean, I guess a trick-taking game is always a tough sell on Kickstarter because it doesn't have miniatures, it doesn't have breasts, it doesn't have anything that really kind of sells on Kickstarter, but it's what Kickstarter's for, and that's to get these little games out that may otherwise not see the light of day, and I really like this one. So if you like Kickstarter games, go play it
0: it only is going to run you nineteen bucks, as I described in the last news episode. Nineteen bucks, and it's not quite funded, but it's got plenty of time. If you're listening to this relatively recently from the recording, uh, plenty of time to get in there and back it. It might still fund. It's over halfway done in terms of funding goal, but it. it I could. I described the same thing that you described, and I just feel like it's a game that deserves to fund from the sheer principle of like this is what Kickstarter is for. Why wouldn't you throw twenty bucks this way and? not worry so much about Rising Sun. Again, because in Rising Sun, you're going to
2: get probably six boxes of miniatures that you think you'll use, but you'll only use probably once when you first play the game and then realize that mm, the game's probably not that good, but the miniatures are amazing. Um, but yeah, I digress. Anyways, I'm not trying to be biased or sound like an ad or anything like that. I literally have been playing this game nonstop
0: and I really do enjoy it. So this was actually something that I was going to bring up on the show in general is I wanted to ask about Rising Sun because, Dan, we haven't gotten your opinion, and Tiff, I haven't gotten to talk to you about it either. So Rising Sun is up on Kickstarter. If you're listening to this right away, there's a few days left to get in and back. Uh, It's got over $3 million. This is Cool Mini or Not's big minis project coming from Eric Lang, the spiritual successor to Blood Rage this is supposed to be. It's got a crazy amount of stretch goals, really cool minis. Uh, it's a similar like area control, but it's got a negotiation element. What are you guys thinking about this game in terms of backing and, you know, is it worth checking out? Is it interesting? Are you saying nay overall? Tiff?
1: I didn't even know it was a thing until you just
0: talked. I just got an email from Tiff that said she backed Ladder 29, so she's doing the right thing. <laughs> I got Tiff to back in a main episode, which is fantastic. Good, what? Good job. I'm really proud that's of you. I,
1: that's what I think of Rise and Sun.
0: <laughs> is that you just backed another game? See, you didn't know this was a thing, Tiff?
1: Mm-mm. No.
0: How did you not know this was a thing? You're this is like this is the scythe of this year.
1: Yeah, I know. I'm just like not as deep into board game news the way I used to. I like don't go on board game geek very often. I think I've been like I was on spring break this week, so I've been on like twice this week. But I used to be there like daily. Yeah. like several times a day and now i just i'm like i don't want to buy any more games and the more time i spend here the more games i buy so i stay away and it's so far it's working really well
0: well fair enough how about you dan this is a, a japanese aesthetic this is like mm. your bread and butter mm, feudal japan oh, if antoine really... Bowza like touched your box uh, this would be the whole uh, kit and feudal, for you. feudal
2: japan makes the sunrise in my pants like i love that theme it's one of those sorry todd's uh, daughter it's called Rising Sun, so I just played on that. So anyways, um, yeah, I I watched the gameplay video because you know with Cool Mini or not, you're going to get like a bajillion really nice looking miniatures. At the end of the day, that's probably all you're going to get because I, I don't know. I watched the gameplay and while I thought Blood Rage actually was not a bad game, um, this one throws in like too many social elements for for my style like negotiation and things like that and it it almost seems forced and that's what i hate about like some negotiation games where it becomes a mechanic in the game it like kind of forces your hand and i'd rather like the the negotiation and the social play to kind of be organic and kind of just evolve from like just the people at the table and stuff like that not be like a forced mechanism in the game of like hey i need you to tag up with me to do this you know and if that doesn't happen, then it's like, oh crap. Well, yeah, you know what I mean. Like, uh, yeah, yeah, no, I, I gotcha. you. So that really turned me off from the game. There are some cool kind of mechanisms in it that I saw, but I don't know. I was overall, I think I'm gonna, I think I'm gonna pass. I, it's gonna be tough. At worst case, there's like twenty six thousand people, probably six thousand of those who are just getting it to sell it. Yeah. So at some point, that market will. Um, saturate and you can probably get it for the same as everyone else is getting it for right now. I don't know. I just feel like I can do more with that hundred plus bucks in the next eighteen months. So and I backed So true. I backed Dinosaur Island and Oh you did I, end up doing it. That one speaks more to me, I think at this point from a mechanic standpoint. And a theme yeah. I mean you guys hear me singing Jurassic Park pretty much weekly. It's probably my favorite movie. <laughs> I love that and if you're gonna make a game about it and then put dinosaur meeples in it, that's probably cooler to me than a bunch of samurai miniatures that I won't really play with. Yeah, Do
0: you know and- how
1: many cool mini or not projects I have sitting in my crawl space of shame right now? It's, <laughs> it's too many. I've gotten rid of nearly every cool mini or not project that I've backed, except for Rivet Wars. Yeah. I like that one. See,
2: so their games are their games are just okay. But they 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 surround it with so much fluff. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And the reality is, like, okay, it's going to come with, like, 1,500 stretch goals. But you can probably only play with two of them. Like, so it's like, (laughs) unless you're going to dedicate yourself to, you know, rising the sun every week, you know, you're not going to play with 98% of what comes in that box. I guarantee it. So.
1: Yeah. It appeals to, like, the collector types. I mean, that's what got me into doing all those miniature projects. I like having all the things. Yeah. It, and they make it really easy to get lots and lots of things.
2: Yeah. It's tough to it's tough to stray away from the uh cuz that was my thing with like Arcadia Quest. Like I didn't want to buy the retail version cuz I knew I was missing out on about mm, like 300 additional pieces and I was like, "You know what? I'll live." kind of thing. And that's kind of like I think what a lot of cool mini or not projects play on is you know you're going to get 1500 things and you don't want to be that person to miss out on 1500 things if it's good but then if it's bad then you have 1500 things in your crawl space at in Ohio so it's
1: overwhelming i mean even if you want to play with all those things having once they finally arrive and you're like oh my god like looking at the boxes it just happened to me too many times like i'm like oh all the things and and then i start unboxing it and i'm like all the things where do these go what do i do with them i'm not going to get to play all these
2: it has to be like your game of choice for like the next Mm -hmm. three months like that's just you got to get a group and play it and play it and play it if you want to get through all that stuff otherwise you're just going to be picking and choosing, and like you said, it's a bit overwhelming.
0: Yeah, it it's super pretty, and that's what's hard to resist. Uh, and I like the aesthetic. I actually think I like the Blood Rage, like Viking aesthetic, a little bit more in terms of like overall theme. I like Vikings more than Samurai, but these are I think these are cooler looking minis. Um, you're only getting like thirty extra minis, which is actually a lot for just to get for free. But you know, when I got like. Tiff sent me the her pile of Myth, or I got my Conan stuff. Like, there's a lot of junk in there, and it's really cool. And I opened it up, and I looked at it, and I showed Kel, and I took pictures, and I was like, "This is great." And now I've played Conan three times, and it's sitting on my shelf. And I've never played Myth, and I played oh. uh vs Minions one time. So, like, I really like having these really pretty cool games, but I'm not even playing them enough. Like, I I don't even know that I like Blood Rage that much, and I've got that on my shelf, so. It's, it's tough because I really want this crazy spider lady with the umbrella, but, and the panda warrior, but what the hell am I going to do with them? You know, unless Dan, you want to run a a RPG with me that I can use really cool ninja minis. Maybe. Hey, and Conan will probably stay on your shelf once the Batman
2: game comes out using that same system. Yeah. So that's a whole nother
0: thing. Batman. Whew. That is going to be cool, and hopefully the Kickstarter will be a better turnaround. That was also my news episode. I wish you were there to talk about it. That's a game that I think would appeal to me more than this. Like, if I could get Batman in the Conan system, I don't know, I'd jump ship on that's, Rising Sun for that. That's a guarantee. I mean, yeah. That's, that's a no-brainer. Batman. If it comes out and it's literally like, this is Conan, but everything's Batman, I'd probably sell Conan, because I don't really care about the Conan theme. Where are the drugs? Oh, I hope it's Christian Bale. <laughs> But if it's
2: not, that's how I'm going to play the entire game, in that fake-ass voice that he uses. What are the drugs?
0: Or uh, who was it? Which guy had the, uh, the bat nipples on his suit? That was Clooney. George Clooney? Yeah. I think that was Clooney, Batman. Not sure why your pectoral, like, chest plate has to be so anatomically correct, George Clooney, but thank you. Anywho, that's a little off track on Rising Sun, but I wanted to get your opinions on it because, obviously... Thirty thousand people are pretty happy with with the project. Yeah, more more power to them. They're going to get a ton of stuff.
2: I just I just worry that the game's not going to support it. And I always laugh, like because Blood Rage was the same way. It's like you get all this stuff, and then you look at the board, and it's got five regions. Like it's like <laughs> it's yeah. the
0: smallest board ever. <laughs> well, I guess here's a here's another question, just to piggyback also off the the latest news that Eric Lang now is their like head of design. So he's a dedicated designer to Simon. Are we just going to keep seeing this like kind of thing once a year from him and Simon is it just going to be a giant minis game from Eric Lang? Probably. So is it just going to be like theme shifts and minor mechanical shifts so we can just wait for the next cool big project? I guess. I don't know.
2: I don't know yeah. what he's going to do there. So good on him. He's a cool guy. Um, I don't really care for his games, but yeah. I, I, then again, I don't really care for much of cool mini or Not's games either. So it's, it's just, just not my style. Except yeah. for Lorenzo Di Magnifico. I'm looking forward to them bringing that over,
0: but... Yeah, well, all right. So, Rising Sun. Take it or leave it. Uh, let's talk about... Tiff, what have you been playing?
1: Oh, I played a game called Toledo, or Toledo if you live in Ohio, because that's how we speak over here.
0: Is it technically pronounced Toledo?
1: I think so, because it's like...
0: Is it? I say Toledo, but, but I don't... It's not tall Because
1: you're American.
0: Yeah. Oh,
2: okay.
1: Like, that's but i'm pretty sure that the e is pronounced the spanish way.
0: Ah, oh, welcome to Toledo.
1: Yeah, well, in any case, it's a Martin Wallace game and it's a short one. It only took us 45 minutes to learn it and play it, wow. which was impressive. We we made a special effort to play fast, but uh yeah, it's a it's a game about um, forging swords and delivering them to the king. That's cool. And it's kind of, Yeah, it's kind of like a race game where you all start out, you all have these dudes at the cathedral, and then there's like a path up to the Alcazar. And as you go along on your turn, you can do a few different things. But one of them is you can place a shop, a store that that lets, it's kind of like the, the buildings in Waterdeep. So they belong to you.
0: Oh, God. You didn't play Waterdeep, but you played a Waterdeep adjacent. (laughs) Tiff, have you played Waterdeep before?
1: I've played it a few times. All right.
2: I just didn't know if I had to explain how it's played. So go ahead. Continue with your comparison.
1: (laughs) But, uh, no. So you have these little shops that you can build, like, early on. And they let you collect the steel and the gems and stuff that you need to forge the swords. There are also duels in this game. So if you... I should talk about the movement before I get into all the little details, but the movement is by cards and you have to move the exact amount of the card that you're playing. So if I play a four, I have to move exactly four spaces and, uh, an extra little bonus is if I can play another four, I can move exactly another four spaces. So if I have two of the same card, I can move more than once. And, uh, so you move, you land on a store. If it has, if it's full, you get to duel one of the dudes that is on there. And so all that is, is you draw a card, and the card indicates whether the attacker or the attacky wins. Um, if you win, you get to go there and do the thing, and pay whoever owns the store for the thing that you want, or if it's your store, you don't have to pay. And if you lose, your guy goes back to the cathedral, and that sucks. (laughs) (laughs) But, uh, I I had a lot of fun. I was surprised. There, There are a couple other little things, like there's paintings that you can also bring along with you to the king but you don't the only way to move back is to use your turn to move all the way back to the cathedral so like as you're moving you really have to be efficient plan out how you're gathering your resources once one person has uh has three guys up in the alcazar that's when the last round is played and the game ends so it's kind of like a race feel to it yeah i don't know it's fun it's hand management feels a little bit like water deep It's a little racy, 45 minutes, my kind of game.
0: So it it feels like familiar in a good way?
1: Yeah, it like it messes with just enough stuff. Like it's kind of worker placement, but it's not. Okay. Because you're, you know, you're racing. If you don't, if if you let one guy get too far ahead, which we kind of did that. Because when you're paying, if someone plays down their shops really early and they play the right shops, they'll get a lot of cards, which are the movement. And so they can kind of just do whatever they want. And we totally let our buddy Kyle do that because he he was smart and he played a lot of shops down early Mm -hmm. and we used them a lot. So he got a huge advantage in that regard. But the scores were still pretty close. Okay. So... Yeah. I don't know. I, I thought it was interesting. I had never heard of it before this, so
0: yeah. When is it from again? Hmm? I said, oh, when is it from? Uh, like two thousand eight.
1: Okay. So probably a little earlier
0: yeah. than my time here.
1: Yeah, it's like a year earlier than I really started getting deep into games. But I th- I was I was impressed by it. I like games that play in under an hour, and it has it's light, but it has just a little bit of thinkiness to it because you have to have you have to really have a plan and. And um, plan things out because the exact movement of the cards.
0: Okay. Dan is someone who is wishy-washy on Martin Wallace. Does this sound interesting or kind of meh? Um. Yeah. It. I mean, <laughs> hand management,
2: worker placement. I mean, I'd try it. Just on those things alone. But uh. Yeah. It's I don't know. It's probably on
1: the light side for Dan, but yeah. it's not your typical Martin Wallace.
2: I'm I'm okay with like, I I think a a 60 minute like medium euro that actually is thinky is like the best kind of game there is, but it's so hard to find those. Um, But yeah, I'd be willing to try it. I'll try any of his games and then afterwards I'll just swear them off for life, but I'll try them all. Cool. Is this a queen game?
1: Mm, Yes, Mm. I think so.
2: I'm looking at the cover. It looks like a queen game. Cover. That's what I was asking. It's got gems in it. I love gems. I actually just ordered a giant bag of them.
1: Oh, it's Mayfair.
2: Oh, it's Mayfair? Okay.
1: Yeah, it's got gems. You can you can build fancy swords with gems. Probably
2: my favorite game component.
0: <laughs> gems?
1: They're, they're taint crystals. Taint for, crystals. For, well, so at least like that's, what, imperfections? that's what Richard would call them.
0: Taint crystals? Yeah.
1: Taint crystals. Yeah. Oh my God. Defenders of the Realm. Get on it. Uh, so mm, good. Yeah.
0: Hmm. Anywho, you can get on it. I can't really back up the so good, but I can back up to get on it. As an aside for Dan, new game idea: Has anybody made a game about like that ancient uh, samurai sword crafting? Like, there's a long lineage of samurai sword crafting. You got to get on that, Dan. Uh, yeah, I would
2: like that. I actually there's a um, when I worked in Tokyo, there was a there's like I think in in all of Japan there's like five uh quote like certified samurai sword makers still yeah around like the classic style like the way they used to do it and one of them was in tokyo and i i visited his shop um but he wasn't making anything at that time so it was kind of sad but i like looked at all the swords and it was really tempting to buy one but i didn't i think they started at like 2500 bucks or something like that but i was like wow Wow. if i had a fireplace or a mantle of some sort yeah i would have bought one so i was so i was looking for because were
1: you single at that time i feel like a lot of single dudes buy swords and mount them over (laughs) things
0: um and then they stay single
1: yeah (laughs) or they they have to put the sword in the crawl space yeah
0: well my wife do you have a sword in the crawl space right now no. Oh, okay. You said that, like, from experience. Like, mm, then they have to put the sword in the crawlspace next to my cool mini stuff.
2: <laughs> Damn it, Brandon, put your sword away. Gosh, <laughs> no. put that back in the crawlspace.
1: <laughs> he has a full. He had a full ninja costume at one point <laughs> that went into the crawlspace. I'm like, you're never going nice. to use that again. Uh,
0: be, so he what? had to put his shuriken away. Yes. Not a samurai sword. <laughs> Our buddy Smee,
2: who was my roommate freshman year in college, brought one of his medieval swords to decorate our room. Like a broadsword. And this was at the time when like AOL was big and like they were handing out all those free discs. So we would literally collect them off campus and we'd bring them and we'd put them in between two chairs and we'd just literally spend like an hour chopping discs like crazy with like the sword and like holding them and like the other people can do it. It was fun.
0: (laughs) And now Dan makes a podcast about board games. So... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> before we fall into I don't want to go full blown Captain Negativity but before I go into a game that we want to talk about Dan give me like bullet points of what you didn't like about Planetarium just to round out my like middling like relatively positive review I didn't say it was great but it was like an average game what did you not like about it uh, bullet point one the game okay done <laughs> no it not was... good
2: uh,
1: oh, Captain Positivity, where did you go?
2: I can't, you can't put... I was trying to temper. Like, that. like, all right, so we played it four players, which, if I'm being fair, is probably not the player count you should ever play that game at, because... now I think it's a two-player game. You, th- yeah. I could see, like, four four players basically eliminated all strategic depth and interesting decisions from the game. Yeah. It was an exercise, literally on rails, or orbits, if you want to say, if you want to get thematic, <laughs> you literally just moved and said, "Okay, that's what I can do," and then waited. I don't know six turns, and the game was
0: over. Like it was, oh my god, it was a snooze. Like yeah, yeah. It, I my original comments were based on two player, and we played four player, and Cal and I, who really enjoyed a two player, like not overwhelmingly so, but thought like, yeah, that's fun, like thirty minute filler. I completely agree. Like not not strong at four probably not that strong at three i there just aren't enough things to do it doesn't scale even it even at two and i
2: haven't played it at two but i i don't see a, a reason people need to own this game like it yeah. just didn't do anything that interesting it was like this small 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 twist on set collection that wasn't even that interesting uh um, yeah. great looking game i can see the appeal there obviously from like if you're a space nerd or you like you know just planets in general but yeah it was it was beyond light and it was just super overproduced for what amounts to like a 15 minute filler game like oh no thank you no thank you
0: yeah it's
1: strong bullet points
0: it's not one that i am that i I can't recommend it i could not recommend it like that's just me but the four I,
1: player I, I, play I get my copy, Matt. Would you say? Can you send in that along?
0: I, you know, I might have to because the four player really didn't help it shine and that means that it has limited playability in my collection and I've got way better two player games. Like two player games is practically half of my game collection, so it doesn't stand out as a two player game and it doesn't seem to work well as a three or four player game. So it's like, well, what do I do? And now that we're in the new house and I'm much more space conscious space mindful we'll say uh no pun intended space but uh yeah like i I stare at it and i'm like i could put another game in that slot so i think it might have to go which isn't usually my mindset so it's kind of weird
1: well then we can have our trifold review
0: (gasps) because
1: i can find out if i hate it or not too all right
0: so i'll send it to tiff and then next episode we'll talk about it again Sweet. Although it'll take Tiff like three say. years to play Three or
1: so years is the yeah. turnaround. Obviously. All right. But
0: Episode I'm 100 will have the planetarium special. But let's talk about a game that was a little bit more interesting. Seems to be a little bit more strong, although we only played it one time. Uh, we played Dan's copy of Anachrony, which was from the Tricarion group. What, what's their company called, Dan? Mind Clash Games. Mind Clash. This is a game about time travel, which is kind of cool. It's way overproduced, which is hilarious. Uh, The Kickstarter version, at least, like it came with extra minis that are super superfluous, but super nice at the same time. Like I like having them, Uh, but you can just play the game with tokens. So the look of the game is really strong in the Kickstarter version. I think without the Kickstarter version, it would be like an okay looking game. The art style, Dan and I were talking. I don't know that either of us are huge fans of it
2: those get ga- i uh, God bless them because the rest of their games look amazing, but like their character art in carrion yeah. and this is just it's it's just weird it just looks awkward like
0: yeah it doesn't and there look... aren't a lot of like illustrated assets in this game like it's not there there isn't a lot of artwork, so you've got the character art and then you have some like setting art, but really it's actually more like just spacey looking backdrop that mm-hmm. doesn't really it's just a bunch like, of textures. All yeah, textures. Places. So in terms of like the aesthetic value, without the minis uh, and some of the fluff that comes with the Kickstarter version, it's probably like an okay-looking game. Like it's clean, but the minis really add a add a depth there in terms of the aesthetic value. Gameplay, though, is obviously where the game shines. So it's a game like I said about time traveling. We played it one time, two player. You are progressing through a certain number of rounds, uh, and in each one of these rounds, you are Sending your guys out, guys and gals out that you have specialist workers, sending them out to take actions, uh, gather resources, build buildings, and kind of advance your uh, little like technological engine so that you can save the world because there's this impending cataclysm. You're not trying to save the world. You're trying to be the
2: dominant path that survives once the meteor okay. hits, so that you can carry forth
0: your yes. kind of mission afterwards. You want to be the the people who are left standing. Yeah. Yes. Uh, and the there's some cool. The, I think the standout element in the game. There's some like basic worker placement, and Dan, feel free to chime in if I kind of get off track here. There's some basic worker placement that allows you to get new workers. To get more resources, Uh, resources allow you to build buildings, which will give you uh, bonus actions and special powers and extra conversions and things like that. So they improve your engine and your efficiency. Uh, The really unique piece is this time travel piece. Every round you have the ability to get free resources, and those free resources thematically are coming from the future. So you contact your future self, they send you back some cool stuff, and you immediately get to use those benefits. But before the game ends, you need to complete the timeline by, on future turns, quote-unquote sending those resources back. So I got resources from my future self. I progressed through time. I'm now my future self. I need to send those resources back to my old self to complete the timeline. So it's a little trippy like that. But it's a cool way to strategically get resources in the immediate to help progress your engine to a point where you can then kind of fulfill them later so it's like a it's not really like a free bonus because you're gonna have to pay it back or take a victory point penalty uh so it's it's i like the idea of taking small sacrifices now to advance my engine to a point where i'm more efficient in the future and can pay that back i think overall the game was fun definitely it it felt not clunky but it felt tough to get everything straight and i don't know if you feel the same way dan like it's not a hard game but there's a lot going on yeah no i liked it it
2: has a lot of familiar elements like you said it's just it's basic worker placement once you kind of remove all the fancy bits and stuff like that there's nothing really new i mean there's like you know your work you have different types of workers that can only go to certain spots and certain workers in certain spots give you a bonus or a penalty or something you know like that's been done before that's manhattan project that's you know things like that have been done um, I guess that, yeah, like you mentioned, the one piece that's kind of different is the timeline element. And for me, even that, like, I guess there's there's room to explore that because it is interesting how, like, you could actually make the timeline and traveling the timeline like a, a strategy in the game. Or, like, because you actually get rewarded if you go back and actually fulfill the past needs. Um, so, it's something I'd like to explore that a little bit more. yeah. I, I thought it was good. I, it's one of those. It's one of those engine building games where your engine can just snowball, and at you know at any point in the game, like you start out and you're only taking like a couple actions, and then by like the fifth turn, you know it's one of those games where you you go until you pass. So on the fifth turn or so, like you're able to do like ten plus things on your turn, yeah, um, just because your engine has gotten that big and you, you have like fifteen workers now, and so. That's satisfying, although sometimes
0: that drags games a bit, if not done well. And I thought I thought they did it pretty well here. There's a moment after a few rounds in where technically, like, the meteor or whatever happens and it sets you back a little bit in terms of how much you can do. So you end up bill- snowballing that engine to a point, then the game kind of kicks you back and you're a little bit slower, a little bit less efficient for the last, like, one or two rounds. So And the game ends... A- interestingly like it's got a game end trigger where the game can end ahead of time so you don't have to necessarily play the full seven rounds isn't that right yeah if, if all the once the meteor hits some of the spaces um put
2: these little tokens on them that's that represents them collapsing and so you can use them once and they give you like a last ditch kind of cool bonus but once you kind of remove your piece from it, that space then is eliminated for the rest of the game. They're called capital actions, which take place in the capital city. So once all of those actions have been taken, once um, the
0: capital is considered to have crumbled and that that triggers the end game, if not yeah. before the seventh round. From what I got from the first play, which I don't think was a full enough experience to really weigh in heavily, but it seemed like... Maybe you get a couple of good plays out of that base version that we played, and then there's a bunch of stuff in the box that you can expand upon. It sounds like that might be kind of desired at some point because the basic, the basic play is cool, and there's some fun efficiencies to toy with. But maybe something that's not f- as depthy, at, you know, five ten plays in, you might want to throw in some of those extra tracks and stuff. Yeah, the thing with Mind Clash games is their their games
2: are. They feel bloated. Yeah. That's, why I, that's how I describe it. Like, Tricarian, for instance, which was a fine game. I enjoyed it. But, you know, it had a bunch of just superfluous expansions that you could throw in here and throw in there. And, you know, again, the having to kind of figure out which ones are best and which ones aren't. Like, I wish companies sometimes would just, like, put it in the base game or... Say straight out, like this expansion is good if you want this. This, you know what I mean? Like, yeah, instead of you kind of having to trial and error it, and then because you know, first, imp- like we talk about all the time, first impressions are huge. And if your first impression is of the base game was this is kind of weak, but knowing that that expansion, if you start right away because you want this, this, and that, or you're this type of player, like that, that's a huge help. So, we'll see. I, from a gameplay standpoint, um, I like it better than Tricarian, i think just because it hits on more of my um my likes than my dislikes um Trickerion is a good game but it felt like a first time kind of company like they're it just felt bloated i keep saying that but it just there was too much they could have streamlined
0: it and made it a little more cohesive and yeah all right so small technical glitch there <sighs> was it a rift in the time continuum dan did you just go back to fix podcast past? I did. Super Is thematic. our episode one listenable now? No. That will never <laughs> oh. be listenable. Neither will episode Damn. two. We need to send resources back to our past selves.
2: Oh,
0: episode two. <laughs> Pop you filters. Like, you know
1: when you bring it up like that, people are going to go listen to the horror that is episode... It's really episode two, isn't it? Episode one wasn't the worst.
0: The Phantom Menace? Yeah, I really wasn't a big fan of it. It's got Jar, Jar Binks in it. <laughs> episode two is where you made me talk about One Night Werewolf or something like that. <laughs> it was a strange time. <laughs> That's Remember when Stella we did those got things? her groove back. Whew. All right. So we played a bunch of anachrony. We talked a little bit about it before we got cut off. It seems pretty solid. Are you excited to keep going with it, Dan? Like, do you think you're going to keep it around or are you going to try to make um, a buck off it? I will. I I think at this point.
2: I probably won't be able to anymore. I probably, if I could do it all over again, I probably would have flipped it for like the two hundred bucks it was going for, and then just bought the you retail copy. You could probably copy. still sell it. Maybe um, with them can you get the minis retail? You have to buy them separate. They're like thirty dollars okay. extra or something like that. So gotcha. Yeah, it's a good game. I, I have no, I have no qualms about it. I will
0: definitely play it again. Okay, cool. Uh Tiff, your second game. How how is No Siesta?
1: Yeah, I like it a lot actually. Okay, it's. I've been trying to get out the games that I have that have solo variants now. Um, I have, like, this was spring break, so I had a little bit of time to sit down and do a little bit of that. So I've not played it with people. I've only played it solo. But the solo game feels like a game, and I wasn't, like, bored or anything.
0: So what and, do you, is this a roll and write, um, technically? Yeah,
1: kind of. It's, it's dice drafting. Dice
0: drafting, okay. So...
1: Yeah, you have, basically it's a farming game. You spend your time kind of expanding your farm and collecting commodities and resources and things, delivering goods, you build roofs for your farm, you store goods in the warehouse, and you do things like this. So the way the solo game works, and there are different sides of the boards that come with it for the regular game and the solo game, mm-hmm. so it's a little bit different, but you, you roll five dice, And you choose one for you and one that goes up on the board. It's like the neutral dice. And then you roll the remaining three dice, choose one for you, one for the neutral, and then the last one is for you. And then you use those resources on the board and there are just different places. So, um, and it's similar to Lagrange in that way. So you go and like to build a roof, you need X amount of coins. And as you get them, you check them off. Once you have enough, you get to draw a roof tile. Okay. Same thing for the, the workers. Work the same way. You get the commodities you need. You get to hire a worker. It gives you a special ability. They have the, the long-distance trading where you have to have all of the – you can't just – most of the spaces, you can just gradually get the things you need, and then once you have them all, you get the, the bonus. For long-distance trade, you have to have all three of the same item at that one time. And then you get the bonus that way. So it's, you just go through those different places on the board. And it's, it's, I mean, it's the kind of game, it's the kind of farming game that already is kind of multi-person solitaire anyway. So I think it lends itself pretty well. The interaction that you have if you were playing it with players is via the Dice drafting, so they kind of figured out a way to make that. I mean, you choose what your opponent's getting in this case. But they kind of make it interesting. Uh, The game ends when someone gets to the end of the siesta track. And hats are one of the die faces. So I can move on the siesta track by getting a hat. My opponent, my neutral player... Um, moves ahead on that siesta track every time I or when I choose a die like there are seven die that you're using so there are always two that are left out and if I choose one that's the same symbol as that he's moving along the the Mm siesta track so (laughs) I got excited so he and it's really it's a lot easier for him to move it's you will have negative points if you are behind him at the end of the game you you get negative points if you're ahead of him you get positive points but the two times that I've played it, I've been behind. Yeah. So, and there's a, it, it can also only last 18 rounds as a solo game, so it can also end just after 18 rounds, but it doesn't feel really long. It took maybe a half an hour okay. to play one player, and I mean, it feels like a farming game. It feels like I'm doing stuff, and they have, of course, just like Solitaire Agricola, mm-hmm. like, oh, if you get these many points, you're doing all right. If you get these many points, you suck, so... <laughs>
0: And how have you been doing, Tiff?
1: I'm like, I'm okay. You're in there? I'm getting yeah. there. Pe- people are, like, in the rule book it says, when you get to this level, people are starting to take you seriously.
0: Oh, very nice.
1: So that's where I'm at right now.
0: Amateur
2: farming. I'm in
1: the, like, 40 to 50 point range yeah. so far.
2: How awesome was it to game. sticker your own dice?
1: <laughs> when I opened the box and saw all those stickers, I was really not That's a pleased. thing?
2: Yeah, you have to sticker yeah, the dice.
1: The dice oh, are wooden dice, and you have to sticker them. Now, uh, normally, I would really complain about that, but they—they they look right with the game, and I don't like wooden dice generally. They just don't feel as fun to roll. But uh, these aren't—I don't know—they—it they, fits with are the they way the game Are they
0: circular stickers that go in the middle, or are they full face yeah. stickers?
1: they're circular stickers okay. that go in the middle. So no, that, you know, it's a it better. doesn't have to be. Yeah. It took a little while. I didn't like stickering them, but you know, I think they, they look okay and it'll be all right. It, for, for the cost that it probably would have added.
0: Your facial expression betrays like your words, dice. Tiff. Yeah.
1: <laughs> <laughs> well, when I think about like if they had gotten custom dice and this game cost 40 bucks yeah. and that, instead of 20. I probably wouldn't have bought it's it. It's true. So I, uh, the okay. wooden dice are fine. Like I said, it, it matches kind of the color scheme of the, you know, it it might not bland. look right if they had gotten. Yeah, bland. Dirt. Beautifully bland. <laughs> <laughs> <Browns> <laughs> but no, I agrees. like Lagrangia, and I think this feels, it's not the same as, it can't be, but it's like a light version of Lagrangia.
0: Okay. Yeah, I,
1: I think it's good. I
0: looked at it on the shelf specifically for Solo because sometimes I get lonely and I'm like, I want to play a game. This game can play by myself. But I I don't know. I'm up in the air on it.
1: You know what I really lo- am liking these days is games that use like a, a score pad. Oh, yeah? <laughs> yeah, this one... Well, you your board is a color sheet where you check off the commodities as you get them for all the different like that is the what would normally be a board for the game is just like a sheet that you are using paper pencil for and then you have a score sheet at the end so there are two pads of paper that come with this game and uh i like that
0: that would be such a perfect transition into me talking about fleet dice but we're not there yet unfortunately i'm sorry that's okay now i think we so that's cool do you think that this is something that you'll pursue like, you know, every week when we talk on the podcast? Is it going to be like, yeah, I'm still playing No Siesta? Kim well, Ben-Banner. I have it
1: set up in my like office in your little corner. game table. Yeah. So I, I've kind of just left it set up there because if I, it's been spring break. If I get kind of bored, I'll just go over there, and play a quick game. I
0: see a MeePolo. Like Do I've you put it the there game. to pretend like you're playing with someone?
1: <laughs> no, normally the MeePolo is on my, uh, my desk chair uh, but i just moved it because i didn't need the uh,
0: the extra support you know if you're like ah oh, good move me below you got me this time
1: no what i usually do is i'll put on like a podcast oh,
0: yeah. and, like the podcast of nonsensical gamers i got you
1: i don't put on our podcast <laughs> <laughs> here i hear enough from you guys that's fine yeah, that's true all right well that's <laughs> that's
0: cool so uh, a recommendation for no siesta granja?
1: La granja La lagranja
0: no siesta no sleep for you, Tiff. Cool. Well, one of the games, um, I got a—I posted an Instagram photo of playing Element, which is the rather dashing new like little two to four player abstract game. Uh, I've played it a couple of times, and Natasha, one of our loyal and faithful listeners, was requesting like me talk about it on the podcast. I don't know that I've played it enough that I really want to dive into it. I will say that I'm enjoying it. I think it's pretty cool. I've been excited for this one for a good long time uh, 35 bucks seems like the right price it's a really nice production i don't know how it's going to work with three or four players i've just been playing it with two and it works really well but you know, a little abstract game where you're pulling things out of a bag and using different colored tokens to uh they each play out and kind of manipulate in different ways so you got like fire spreading across the board and rivers flowing acro- around the board you're trying to surround your opponent so that they can't move anymore a really cool little game you know i, I want to play it some more and and check it out before i dive deeper into it, but just a, a heads up that that's a pretty cool title to check out. It should be on store shelves now. But with that, I think let's go ahead and make a move into talking about Unpub a little bit. So Unpub 7 just happened. I did not realize they were calling it Unpub Prime. Is that the new thing, Dan? Yeah, like packs. Well, that's because there's going to be an Unpub
2: Midwest or something, I think, in okay. Michigan.
0: Gotcha. Okay. Later this year. So this was Unpub Prime, Unpub 7, uh, in Baltimore, Maryland, Maryland at the Convention Center. Uh, it was just this past weekend from this recording, like the week before. Lots of cool stuff that Unpub, if you don't know, is a place for unpublished uh, games and prototypes, people get together, and you're able to get a lot of blind playtesting done uh, people come up and sit down and play your game they give you feedback you get to try things out on the fly uh, play around with your stuff Dan was obviously there uh, we'll chat about storm chasers in a minute Dan but how did you feel about the convention overall you had three days there right yeah I was there
2: Friday through Sunday Friday was a long day for me because I was uh, roped into MCing all of the panels that they do on Friday Friday is what they call designer day So only, like, the designers and the VIP pass people can get in on Friday. And they have, like, I don't know, five or six panels of, like, industry-related things. Like, Panda had one about the production process and pre-press. And um, there was one about, like, the state of the industry. And then Zev um, from... WizKids now, formerly of Z-Man, was, like, the special guest of Honor the weekend, so there was a, a QA and a with him, which nobody told me was two hours long, but that's cool. Wow. <laughs> so I spent a good, probably, like, five, six hours emceeing panels. You know, there's probably about, like, maybe 40 or 50 people that attend the panels, but most people are anxious to, like, play games and get their games out and ready, and so you know, a good three quarters of the people there were in the other room doing all that. And so it was fine. Uh, it was good. But yeah, the rest of the weekend, I had a tag table, so I only had to, which is you split a table with another designer and you only have to do four hours on and then four hours off. So this year I actually got to like wander around, uh, unlike last year where I had a full table and kind of look at what everyone else had on the tables. I wasn't, I don't want to say overly impressed because there's a lot of cool things that were there, but nothing really jumped out at me like I wasn't dying to play anything. I did play a couple of good games um that I can talk about, but yeah. It was cool. It's 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 amazing just to get her and sit around and talk to people about stuff. So, I had fun.
0: Yeah, it, it's it seems to be a growing and very recommended convention for those interested in early stage game development, designing things like that. I mean, it's it's actively happening in the room it's really cool to walk into a room and just have tables and tables and tables of you know post-it notes and cardboard and some are you know a little bit better produced than others uh but some are like in the very early design stages some of them are finished and some of them have been to unpub like three or four times to to really it's very like grassrootsy feeling so it's kind of cool uh in terms of games that we played uh, i was there with kel on Saturday, just Saturday, uh, we got to play a couple of things, uh, including, I think, Favelas from Chris Bryan over at Board with Life, uh, Moonrat Media or Publishing, however they're going to do that, uh, was one of the big titles that I walked in and the first thing I asked people after saying hi was like, what what's worth playing? Because I am not a big prototype guy. I don't like to sit down and just like three rounds into a game, have all the rules change and not realize like what's going on. Uh, but... I I do like to play things, so I ask for recommendations, and that was the one recommendation that I got repeatedly, was like, go check out Favela's, uh, it's in its final stages, it's a tile stacking game uh, with some dice manipulation for point grabbing, so it's it's like a majority not uh, area majority, but a majority control with tile stacking Uh, really light, kind of like filler type game, probably I compared it to like a lanterns kind of thing, but one that I think is probably going to be picked up if it hasn't already been picked up. And I, I can bet pretty heavily that you'll probably see that on shelves soon. Did you get a chance to play that, Dan? No, I did not. Um, but I'm pretty sure it was picked up. So I'll, yeah. say, I'll say that much. Okay. Well, inside scoop, maybe. Yeah, it's it's a solid little game. Like, it, it didn't blow me away. But last Unpub, I played a lot of games that I was not a big fan of. So to start off with that game... I was like, okay, cool. This like It feels pretty refined, pretty polished. Uh, it sounds like he's been doing a lot of testing, and it, and it totally worked, so it was cool. One of the other ones that I got to play was Daniel Newman's Take Your Seats. Is that right? Step Right Up. Step Right Up? What is Take Your Seats? I just made that up. I no Sorry. Idea. Step Right Up, which was a uh, central rondelle mechanism where you are trying to uh you're running different phases of a uh, different areas of a carnival so like I was running the freak show and Steve was running the rides and uh Kel was running something I don't really know but uh each way plays asymmetrically each board each area of the the game board plays asymmetrically you're trying to use a deck of cards to shuttle people into your line to see your attraction, get them in, and then kick them back out to score points and gain money, uh, seemed to work really well. It was another one that we liked. Uh, the asymmetry was pretty cool. The rondelle worked. It was fairly simplistic, but you know the way that it worked didn't have a lot of critical feedback in terms of the efficiencies of it. But that was another title that you know I think Daniel's pretty happy with. It was nice to see him you know, finally in person and get to play that game. So that one stood out as well. Another game that I was happy to have played that really kind of worked and didn't feel like I was too deep into the early phases of prototyping because that's not always my bag. So uh, those two stood out to me in terms of games that I didn't know anything about and kind of jumped in on. So what uh did you get to sample, Dan? I did play Step Right Up on Sunday morning. I played it
2: when he had first kind of come up with the idea back at BGGCon. We played it a few times, trying to kind of sort out the rondelle and the asymmetry of the the different things, and it's come a long way in just a few months, which is cool to see, and it worked. Um, There was nothing, as you mentioned, there was nothing that didn't work. Um, I got, I was playing, I don't remember the name of the attraction I was playing, but I've It was a little too open for me and it just kind of, it went on rails as far as like my decisioning was concerned. Okay. But, you know, we gave him some feedback there. I, yeah,
0: I just, uh, yeah, it worked.
2: It was, it was really, it was a little lighter than my tastes would kind of gravitate towards. It was fine. It was a
0: good theme though. I think scooping up the, like the carnival theme
2: was pretty cool. No, it's a cool theme. I liked what he did with the aesthetic for the, the prototype too. So yeah. Um, curious to see how that one progresses. Anything else stand out to you? Um, I played TC's monstrosity of a game. Oh yeah, uh, my I fa- heard a lot about that. My father's work, which thematically is you have you have found like the journal of your mad scientist father, and you're hoping to fulfill his legacy by completing the this one of his giant experiments in the game, and it was cool. It's a bit long, but it was worker placement, but the board was always changing based on the narrative. So he had this whole, like, app set up for, like, two scenarios that kind of drove a a story element. So think of, like, above and below, but better. I mean, above and below sets (laughs) the bar pretty low for me, but...
1: Shots fired. (laughs) Yeah, I like that game.
2: I'm sure you do. (laughs) Fangirl. (laughs) I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Hang up my hat. Uh It's fine. It's a boring game, but it's fine. No, what I loved about what I loved about TC, like what what his did was though. So I I and I even told him in his in like the feedback is like. So what above and below does is it has a game and it has the story element and never do those two things ever feel like they connect. Right? It's just I place a worker here. I go underground. I find a glow go. He gives me a rock. That's basically, like, the game, right? That Repeatedly. But TC's was like, you go here, you do this thing. Certain things take place after... The game is played over three generations, and within each generation, there's three rounds. And after certain rounds, there's, like, these events that take place which are triggered either based on what kind of we did at the table or maybe there's a vote of some sort or something. And depending on what happens within the story... (laughs) he has a stack of boards and I think what he's envisioning is like the board being like a flip book almost. And you flip to a new board and it opens up different actions based on the story elements that kind of came into play or didn't happen or something. So that was, that was super cool and and unique. And I really liked how he integrated like a Euro game. This, I mean, this is his Euros. They come um, with, the those story elements because it was it was cool and that's again story games aren't something I gravitate to but if you can do it in a unique way where you give me a solid backbone of a game I'm all for it so yeah it was um it was a really good playtest I think um, I know he got like a couple more in it, it the game runs a bit long I think some of his playtests were going like three and a half hours or so so wow. I don't, but. I mean, that was his sole focus. So just to get people to sit down and play it three or four times was probably a big win for him from from a data collection standpoint. Yeah. And, yeah, I'm curious to see um, that one evolve because it, it worked. It worked really well. So the mad scientist himself, Mr. T.C. Petty.
0: He's got crazy ideas, but they're cool. He does. So
2: that one was super cool. So if anyone ever gets Very to cool. check
0: that one out at another convention yeah. or something, try it. The other one that I played, uh, I got to play Fleet Dicey Waters, which is already kind of signed, sealed, delivered. It will be coming out. They're not really worried about it, but they were. They had a prototype of it. This is from the Fleeples and their Fleet series. Super cool little roll and write efficiency engine, zero player interaction almost. Uh, it's like bury your head in this little slip of paper in type 2 font, which hopefully they will change. I ragged them all day about the size of the font on that piece of paper because it was absurd. Uh, but it's totally just a lesson in math. It's hilarious. Uh, but if you like, almost like Tiff was describing with No Siesta, like if you like almost solo like efficiency engines and, you know, dice drafting and things like that, it was a really fun game. It didn't run too long. We kind of moved along, had a good clip. I think it was one of their shorter playtests of it. And it it totally works. It's not anything flashy and you kind of have to I'd say you might need to like Fleet to really be into it, because it's basically Fleet in dice roll and write form. But you also have to like math and kind of spreadsheets, but that's okay. It's good, we really liked it. And uh, I was happy to get a chance to play it and we'll likely pick that up without issue, because it just was a super solid little dice game that didn't feel like a dice game. It's, it's a pretty cool little engine builder, so. But Dan, before we kind of move on from Unpub, we play some games. Convention was cool. What's up with storm chasers? How did it go for you? And where are you at now? Um, it went, it went good. I had, I think, four play tests over the weekend.
2: Um, the first one was a bit dicey, like literally and figuratively. I tried something that didn't work, and the good thing was, though, by the time I sat down for the second one, um, which was with uh, Riddle and uh, a publisher, I won't name the publisher, but um. The tweak I made in between game one and two really worked. Um, So much so that people were saying, like, the dice mechanic is now, like, the heart and soul of my game. And I, like, um, which is cool because... Madness. Yeah, it's a pressure-like dice mechanic, and I designed it, which is weird. Uh, (laughs) um, So I've kind of refocused. So all throughout the weekend, every game I played, I tried a couple of different things um, some to greater effect than others, which is fine. Um, because that's what Unpub is for. And thankfully, like a lot of the people that were there, the crowd was there that played it was all for trying out things and giving me feedback on it. So, um, that was good news. But like I said, um, I got in front of some, some publishers who gave me some really good feedback on like what they would expect from like, the weight and et cetera like that. So I've really decided to hone this to a kind of a family style game um, using the pressure lock mechanic as kind of the heart and soul and then using the board movement and tactical kind of alignment of the storms to kind of um, I guess work in conjunction with that, which is ultimately what I always wanted, but it's just now kind of just trimming the fat and getting that to where I want it. So I'm, I'm quite pleased Um, I think my goal now is to really nail that down the next couple months and then hopefully maybe show it to some publishers at Origins because that seems like a good uh, kind of relaxed convention where I might be able to get some time with some folks and, you know, just even the feedback would be helpful. Um, Yeah. So we'll see. Cool.
0: Well, we have a thread over on BGG Guild number 2077. Uh, somebody, I forget who it was, I'm sorry, uh, had posted in and said, hey, I want to try Storm Chasers. What's going on with that? Uh, people who didn't necessarily make it to Unpub to try it out. Uh, so if you're interested, Dan, sorry that I'm volunteering you for this, Dan. Like, if you're interested, I would say go over to the the Guild, post a comment of like, hey, what's going on? Like If you're going to be at Origins or maybe Gen Con or any of these things that you'll be at uh, and have the game, that would probably be the best way to find you maybe. Is that right? Or maybe on Twitter? Sure. Yeah, Because it seems like people want to try it out. People like the theme. People are interested in the, the weight of it. I need Tiff to play it at some point. Well Yeah, that'd be nice. Tiff doesn't play games. Can you make it a solo game?
1: I played two games, three games this week. Get off my back.
0: I'm sorry. That is true. This episode, I'm it's not allowed almost, to make that comment. It's almost
2: up and done on Tabletopia. I can't win. But I don't know. Oh, yeah.
0: Okay. Sorry. I,
1: I don't forgot know about how that.
2: fiddly it's going to be on Tabletopia, but I can at least show it to people on there, too.
0: So I'll tweet that. Okay. Cool. I mean, some blind playtesting. Sounds like the fans are clamoring for storms, Dan. Uh, Yeah, maybe. I don't think there's that
2: many fans, but it's getting good. uh, It's getting thousands of people clamoring for
0: storms, Dan. Yeah.
2: Every time I tweet a photo of it, I get I get a bunch of people saying, "Hey, this looks cool," which is good to see. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Cool. Well, you know where to find Dan if you want to talk about storm chasers. Let's go ahead and move along. That was Unpub Seven Chat. Let's round out the show, with talk about our top of the stack from February, March, and what our plans are for April. So Tiff, I'm going to be very mindful not to forget you like halfway through top of the stack and just move on. So
1: Oh, you can forget me this time. It's fine.
0: No, I want to hear more about uh, how you did with your top of the stack, because I have a quote that you were going to try to make it very manageable realistic yeah. goals uh so how'd you do i did
1: have realistic goals but i still did not achieve them
0: yeah
1: <laughs> i'm sorry for <laughs> such as yeah. life well you know i march is a busy time for me especially i have concerts and i had a class that i was taking in the middle of all that too so i just didn't have a whole lot of gaming time for march should take it up a new hobby also so that's kind of I didn't get as much done game wise, and we haven't had game. We didn't have game night the month of March at all. So yeah, I didn't do any of my uh, March games, which were At the Gates of Luoyang and Tierra, which will be on there until I play it, and Herbaceous, <laughs> which I learned the rules for and had it out at game night, but it just we ended up watching a monster movie after the first game. I don't know. Our game nights are a little bit more cash. Like we'll play a game and then we'll maybe. Play another game sometimes, or we'll just go downstairs and watch a terrible horror movie. So I don't know. It's it's more like a hangout night than yeah. it is a dedicated just totally game night. Just like what whatever we feel like doing. Social time. So so herbaceous didn't happen. So uh, but I know that will happen because it. So I I'm gonna put that on my April. I'm gonna keep me Tiara because yeah, need to, really do need to crunch down and play that. And I'm adding Copycat by Freedom on Freeze. Mm. It's one. It's one that's been on my shelves, and I do remember liking it at one point. It's just been probably four or five years since I played it. So I, I, I like to include at least the thought of playing one of my older games that I haven't played in a while.
0: The box art on that drives me insane. Really? On copycat. I like it. Yeah, something about it
1: <laughs>
0: drives me away. Mm. I am pulling well, up the Metiera rulebook as we speak. I'm going to teach yeah, this game some... to you, Tiff.
1: We'll see what happens, because I think, actually, we're getting back into Paneracon, you know... Awesome. Uh, ...plans yeah. right now. Yeah, well, I I haven't talked to Copac in a while, and I just... I'm on spring break, and I was like, hey, I should probably talk to my friends. should do that to yeah. every once in a while. And uh, so we did the whole doodle poll, and we got a date picked out, so we'll hopefully... Well, that'll be like three or we'll four names right there for
0: that. you.
1: Yeah, it'll be amazing. Awesome. So awesome. I'm getting back on trackish. Cool.
0: Well, that's what we're here for, right? To keep reminding yes, you so. that there are games to be played. So
1: yeah, okay, that's what you're doing. <laughs> Got it.
0: <laughs> All right. Uh, I'll I'll jump in here and say that I had Blood Bowl, the new edition, on my list. I had Time Stories, A Prophecy of Dragons, and I had Mythos Tales. I was trying to get two cases of Mythos Tales complete, and we did finish Prophecy of Dragons. Dan, 30-second mini-review of Prophecy of Dragons. The worst one. Worst one yet. Just not... 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 Not, like... Not bad. Bad, but of the three, the worst one. So, if you get Prophecy of Dragons, you will open up the box, and this is not a spoiler, you will find that it is a a two-part adventure. There is a deck of cards that you don't open until a certain trigger. The second part was uninteresting. The first part is really cool.
1: Which one has been the best one? The first one. They're getting progressively worse, huh?
0: Correct. Okay. Yeah. And I just, I don't know where we've got, um, we have the Egypt one available to us. Steve has that, so we can get that from him. I've heard that there's a good puzzle in that one, which is cool. And then Expedition is interesting, but if Expedition ends up being Cthulhu, Dan's going to lose his mind. I'm, yeah, I'm going to flip my shit. And then Lumen Fide should come out soon. I, I really like the lineup for the ones this year. I want to play Estrada Drive because that one looks cool. But, yeah, I don't know. So they are they are getting progressively less exciting. I wouldn't say they're bad. They're not getting worse. But you can't... It, it was like lightning in a bottle that first time.
1: No, they're getting worse. You said progressively less exciting. I think yeah, that is that's fair. objectively worse. But how, how many are you willing... Like, if they keep continually getting less exciting, how many more are you going to play?
0: I would say... And Dan can weigh in himself. I would say that... If the next one... So if we play Egypt, whatever it is... If that one is somehow worse than Prophecy of Dragons... I would have to wait and go like on theme alone, basically. I'd have to wait and find one that I really want to try. But again interesting puzzles it's cool to explore the differences in each game but the satisfaction of the ending of this one was not nearly as good like it made the zombie one look good and dan really didn't like the zombie one like he openly was like yeah i like that other one better so
1: that's never good the second one was was good once i the
0: second one was good once we figured out how dumb we were and what we missed yeah like we had we had issues on the second one that actually like it was really cool how they did it the third one did not feel as satisfying and we spent a lot of time with it, and they're clearly setting up this overarching thing. So that's the other thing: is like, do we keep playing to see what the overarching story is? Because they've they've now seeded like you got to play the extra, the new ones to find out like how it, they link together. The first two are kind of one off. I don't know.
1: That's how they get you. Yeah. Well, that's how they get you.
0: I played Mythos Tales though. Played two cases of that. Still like that one. We just played a third one last night with Ben. Uh, that was really fun. We played. As an aside, Sherlock Holmes Consulting Detective with Dan and Kel and I, significantly harder than Mythos Tales. Holy crap. That game, we were terrible at that game, uh, but thought it was fun. Uh, so next month, April, this this month, uh, Blood Bowl, staying on the list because I've set that up multiple times. I just got to get Kel like, in the mood to play it. She gets a little skittish about it. Uh, one case of Consulting Detective and one case of Mythos Tales. That's what I'm going for because I think that that's totally doable. And then we, Kel and I, Kel like pulled Matai and I off the shelf randomly. I was like, hey, can we play this? And we played it, and she liked it. And I was like, cool. I found another game that Kel and I can play together, like a little card game. So I'm putting Matai and I on there, because that'll be an easy one. So that is my list. Dan, what do you got? I don't know. I don't have the Google Doc up. What, uh, what did I say? Play? <laughs> oh, sorry. So Dan, how would you do with February, March? You had Great Zimbabwe, Roundhouse, and The Colonists.
2: Uh, just the colonists. I didn't play the other two. Womp womp
0: womp. How? What size game of the colonists did you play? Two eras. Two era. So not which the is cool still thing. technically half the game. I guess you can play however
2: many eras you want. So I'm still counting it okay. because I played it and it was yeah. two plus yeah. hours. But I didn't play the other two. Um, I've actually I've actually kind of cooled on the the grades and bobble. I still want to play it. But I've had some feedback from people I trust, and I don't think I'm going to like it, but I want to try it. So I'm not against it. Okay. And thankfully, it's a splatter game, so I can probably easily just sell it when needed. Yeah. So this month, I'm going to go back to the old well. Uh, well, first and foremost, I'm going to play- get some
0: expansions,
2: right? I do. So I don't buy many expansions, but I bought two in the last week, which is pretty crazy. Um, so I'm going to play Deus with the Egypt expansion uh, because I Deuce. love Deus, Deus. I really love that game, that discard mechanic. Oh, so good. So good. And the other one is Barony, which is so underrated. If you haven't played Barony and you like like abstract little puzzly games, play Barony because it's good. It's awesome. It's just micro action, super quick turns, plays in under an hour. It's the guy who designed Splendor. It's 20 times better than Splendor. Try it. It's really good. It's pretty. But the, the expansion just came out this week. Um, and Matt grabbed it. So now we have that, which is going to add in some magic of some sort. But what I love about this Ooh. game too, is that it's, it's luck free. It's completely just your tactics and strategy against someone else's. And I love that. So try that. Try Deus if you haven't. Um, the third one is one I got in a trade recently. Um, yeah. what is this? Cuba. So this is a game about Cuba. That's all <laughs> I have to say. Cause I haven't played it yet. So is it like a heavy euro game it's is it a, it's like a, a war game it's a mid-weight euro game okay i can't is it michael Cuba. is it michael Sch- i can't think of the designer off the top of my head it's super pretty and yeah i'm looking forward to it so it's supposed to be it's out of print it's high praise and
0: i got it for a really good trade so i couldn't pass it okay out. cool sounds like a plan so that is our april hopes and dreams we will see how we do with that uh, and with that, we will round out episode 64 of the podcast of Nonsensical Gamers. So thank you all for joining us. Be sure to check us out at Facebook.com slash League of Nonsensical Gamers. We actually have a good little following over on Facebook. We're pushing like 800 plus likes. We need to keep up the posts over there. That's Thank you for joining us there. Uh, send us an email, podcast at nonsensicalgamers.com. If you're interested in telling us your top of the stack or chatting with Dan about Storm Chasers or getting yourself a tiny Meeple Shield micro badge, you can head over to BGG Guild number 2077. There is a thread to get some free geek gold if you want a micro badge. You can also find us on Instagram. I'm Cinnamon Buns and Dan slash Steve run the Nonsensical, nonsensical Gamers. Uh, account lots of board game picks and conversation going on over there Uh, if you enjoy the content if you want to give us some feedback itunes reviews are a great way to do that you can give us some stars based on how well you like the content give us some feedback letting us know what you'd like to change and what you'd like us to keep so that we can make the show what you want to listen to Uh, also be sure to check out our sponsor tasty minstrel games at playtmg.com they've got a whole slew of games coming out in the next couple months lots of things to check out So thank you to them for their support. And if you want to reach out to us personally, the best place to do that is Twitter. Tiffany B., if people want to chat with you, where do they do that?
1: I'm at IneptGamer.
0: And Dan, if they'd like to find you, how do they do that? Um, At League Nonsense um, for the League's account and at Scandalous underscore NAD for my personal one. You can find me at CinnamonBuns, spelled phonetically. Stupidly. Thank you, Dan. Thank you all for joining us for episode 64. We will see you next time for some news. Everyone say goodbye. Toodles. Bye. Bye.